everyone. Welcome back to Reality 2.0. I'm Catherine Ruffman. Doc Searles and I are back this week, and we have a lot of things to talk about because, there's, as usual, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, before we get into it, I wanted to remind everyone to visit our website at reality2cast.com. That is still the number two in the URL. Thank you, all the people who've signed up for our newsletter. We will we will get one out shortly when we when we have something to share. I also wanted to quickly kind of plug the other thing that I'm doing because I would appreciate as many listens as I can get and also feedback. Uh, but yeah, so I recently launched a podcast at Intel called Open at Intel, and we have done a series on security. And I think there's some really good stuff in there because uh, I get to talk to some really interesting people. So I, I can only take a tiny amount of credit for the content being so good because I, you know, I, that's all mostly the guests who are brilliant. And I think it's, you know, there's some important stuff that we're talking about S bombs and software supply chain and, and confidential computing and things that are going to be more and more important to the world. So yeah, please check that out. And in the meantime, stick around and listen to me and doc talk, uh, AI and getting a new computer and some other Mm. stuff. (laughs) <laughs> so we would be remiss if we did not mention the recent commentary about the state of AI. There has been a very, just a few days ago, an open letter from, well, a lot of people. It's been signed by Elon Musk and Steve Wozniak and, and a lot of big names calling for a pause on development on AI, on active development, because as we know, and then I will link to some examples, we've seen some you know, creepy and maybe concerning things happen in spite of all of the fantastic potential that AI has. Bill Gates also just not too long ago wrote an extensive article about all of the promise you know, for things like health, health access to health uh, data or health care, health, positive mm-hmm. health ha- outcomes, productivity, uh, addressing climate change, <laughs> all, all of these things. fantastic things that could come out of out of the work that's being done with AI, but on on the flip side of that, there's a lot of concern. So, what are uh, what have you yeah. seen out there, Doc? Oh boy, well, in some ways, we're no more informed than our sources, and I would like to tip my hat toward two of them, and they're both of the New York Times, um, but they're podcasts. Ezra Klein is mm-hmm. one. He went guestless for about 15 minutes where he talked about like three or four podcasts ago, but very recently, <clears throat> about his general thoughts and cautions about it. And his case is roughly that um, this is huge. This is really, really huge. I would add to that that I think it's huge in the way that nuclear power was huge in the 1940s and has been with us since, and that digital technology since we invented the IC, the integrated circuit, and put transistors onto chips and digitized the hell out of everything, has changed the world and the internet as part of that. And then finally, the the mobile phones. I think ubiquitous connectivity in rectangles in our pockets are, along with relatively cheap computing and almost free international communications, which reduces the world to no distance at all for everybody are just really profound. AI is the next thing. It wasn't crypto, it turns out. It wasn't blockchain, <laughs> but it is AI. And uh, so I'm just going to pause on that one just to 
listen to the recent things that uh, Ezra Klein's been talking about. The other is Hard Fork, which is uh, Kevin Roos of the Times mm. and Casey Newton of his own thing called Platformer. Very millennial sounding. There's are young guys. They're all young guys compared to me. I mean, I've, I've been through a lot of stuff. And, and so, but it's interesting to me to hear their take on all this stuff. And they're on top of it. Good for them. So I, I kind of recommend this too. My angle on it, just to go back to what Ezra was talking about, is that I think what we're dealing with is neither artificial nor intelligence. I think it's something else. And it is the, the capacity for machines to remember everything. And Marshall McLuhan, before he died, uh, looked at computing and said as a medium, it was going to make uh, memory was going to be the main purpose of it. And and as he added to that perfect and exact, what he meant, doesn't matter what he meant by it exactly, but it's a really key insight, I think, that memory is is the issue. Our, we abstracted too much by calling it data. What The way large language models, LLMs work, and AI on top of that is that they get trained, which is, I also think, a misleading word. Model is probably a better one on on the sum of everything. I mean, you, you could look at all sorts of stuff and it just sums it all up and, and it guesses the next word and it looks at typicalities about the ways those, those are organized. And not surprisingly, it says racist things and has hallucinations and so forth. And in many ways acts sort of the way our own minds work in the sense that we're always looking for the next word and we're always trying to put together our thoughts. But I would pause here to talk about what does it mean to know something and how is human knowing different than machine knowing and more importantly, animal knowing? So birds are born, many birds anyway, knowing how to make a nest. On our porch, there is a nest made by morning doves, which have, you know, a brain the size of a marble, but have this expertise and they're born with that expertise knowledge is a human thing and we acquire knowledge we build up knowledge through our lives and then we've developed skills such as building a nest but birds already have that we have very few instincts we'll call that what they have instincts but instinct too i think is the wrong word i think there's a capacity that animals have certain animals for for building things for knowing which way north is. Pigeons navigate using magnetism, among other things. They know how to do this. They're, but again, I think knowledge is, if we, I think we're wrong to project a human understanding of knowledge on what animals are born with. And, right. and yet we can't help it. <laughs> we, but we can't help, help it because we, we have to do it. We way. have to do it, but it's misleading. And I, I, in a similar way, I think intelligence is misunderstood. A bir that bird is extraordinarily intelligent, what we would call intelligent at building a nest. But it's not what we call intelligence. Uh, would, skill, if, perhaps. Yeah, it's, it's a skill. They have it, they're, they're born with that skill. They, and they're, I hate to even word, use the word no, but, they, but they, they know how to do these things. They know how to build these things. And we, we project on computers a similar kind of thing. Computers are human creations that 
embody all kinds of human characteristics because we make them in our own model and then we remake ourselves in their model. Uh, McLuhan says, we shape our tools and then our tools shape us. The big risk with AI is that it will make us, I think, in some ways. Already, everything that we do with the internet is making us. We remember less. They're, my mother knew mo almost all of Shakespeare's sonnets because she memorized them. Today, none of us would do that. We can look them up. We can read them off. We can memorize them for a, a play or something, but we don't need to know them. We're, go we're going to make machines. We're in the process of making machines that can not only know, but do things like pass the bar exam, explain laws to us, come up with better health diagnoses, come up with better health plans than others can. Uh, like, does this person, just because I've studied this lately, with atrial fibrillation need an ablation or not? What are the other variables that might be involved in that? Throw the whole health history in there and you might get a better diagnosis and prescriptive care than you would get from a doctor who knows the same stuff but does not know it as thoroughly because there's no way you can know it that thoroughly. I have a minor blood disorder and when I started with the healthcare system in Boston, the doctor I chose, you could do that then, it was a guy named Dr. David Rosenthal. He was the head of the American Cancer Society at the time. He was the, possibly the most respected hematologist on earth. And I, when I told him, hey, I have congenital dyserythropoietic anemia type 2, he says, great, what's that? And I said, you don't know, you're like the best guy at this. He said, there are 100,000 hematological conditions. I don't know them all. <laughs> and, and so he said, let's look them up. And then we fired up his Windows 98 computer. This is back in like 20, 2007 or 8, but it was an old computer then. And he gave me good advice and all that stuff. Not that I needed it. It's not a severe condition. But a, an AI trained on those 100,000 mm. conditions might tell me what drug not to take. It might tell me what, you know, what other effects it might have combined with other conditions that I might have that come to bear. Medicine will be entirely transformed by this. Uh, law, health, I mean, uh, financial, all kinds of stuff where the machines can have this information. I wouldn't say know it, but they'll have this information in forms that are more useful than, than it would be to a trained professional, but, but they will not have something that human beings have. And to me, this is where AI goes. They don't have a soul. They don't have what makes us utterly and completely unique as individual human beings and as collective human beings. And what makes us human is that we are learning animals and we learn all the time and we learn more and more. And what most of what we learn is not explicit. Computers like things that are explicit. What we learn is tacit. We don't know how we're going to end the sentences we start or remember how we started the ones we're finishing and yet somehow we're able to not only make sense with them but communicate to others the gist of what we're saying such that others will understand what we mean without being able to repeat it to us verbatim. The verbatim stuff is what AI is good at. It's what usually. LLM. Usually. Usually. Good at. Right. Yeah, no, they'll <laughs> make mistakes. But my point with this though is that I think what we'll get out of this, and I don't mean to filibuster here, but is I'm thinking out loud, is 
we will discover what only human beings can do. And it actually, it, it goes right back to the Matrix. I mean, I, the Matrix to me is the finest movie ever made. And especially the first one, the, the second two and three were important for completing the stories, but less important than the premise of the first one, which is that a kind of perfect world can be made and human beings can be made to imagine that they're in charge of it. But in fact, machines are in charge of it. And we're kind of swimming in this. But a point of it was it's all programming. And if you understand the program, and if you're a human being, you can beat the program. The, the human beings can beat the agents at their own game because they're better at understanding it and they can transcend it. And transcendence is where we need to go with this. And we're not even close to it, in part because we're imagining that these things that we made in our image, we could be remade in theirs and it's not going to work. We are too profoundly not, not machines. And that, that's important. But in the meantime, the important stuff is to get AI in the hands of each of us so we can understand ourselves, our complete health history, our property, our finances, our contacts and calendars going back as far as we want, our truly social networks, who are the people we really do care about, say, like, we know their birthdays. What, what are those? How do they matter to us? And understanding those things. I think it's going to be extraordinarily important, much more important than, than a lot of the stuff that AI is being trained on right now, with the assumption that the big machines are going to help us out and we don't need ones of our own. No, we do need ones of our own. We don't want mainframe AI alone. We need personal, we need personal AI. So that's the first thing. The second thing is getting far enough along with it to realize what it can't do and where we really do need to lead and be in front of it. So that's, so that's... that's my filibuster and I'll, <laughs> I have a friend who says, you know, David Weinberger came up with Small Pieces Loosely Joined, a great book a few years ago. And um, a friend of ours has a blog that's Strong Opinions Loosely Held. <laughs> so that's sort of where I'm at <laughs> with this. like all of my opinions. So <laughs> I, you know, well, you said a lot there, but, and I, and I think the soul thing obviously is probably far more difficult to define than what, you know, what is to know, what is to know, what is it to know something, but what is it to know something i i think relates to a concern about the current state of development and ai and that is that even the creators the coders the people who create these systems and models and um software don't necessarily don't always know how they work they don't know how uh an answer is generated. They don't know how input necessarily go is turned into output because it is still something we've mentioned in previous episodes, a, a black box to an extent. And, and maybe that right. will change and, 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 and maybe not, but, but in this, you know, fantastically large sea of potential, there are these concerns and that is, you know, if we don't necessarily understand the system, how can we, hope to control it and then you know i start quoting jurassic park and then yeah. <laughs> i want to say well control is an illusion um but yeah it, and it, but it as a follow-up to that also though it reminds me of something that i've said for years I've, I've i've said that every single person in order to survive in this world today needs to understand at least a little bit of code you need to understand how to write a little bit of code and read a little mm -hmm. bit of code and understand how that works. And I, I start to think that is increasingly true because again, you you make, you know, I, I love our, our 
pop culture uh, references here, but you make a reference to the matrix. And if you can't, if you cannot read the code, how, right. How oh would yeah, you help absolutely. To survive this, right? And and I think that's kind of an interesting point. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm in a I can't. It's hard for me to articulate how I feel about where we are today with AI. I have a lot of optimism and curiosity, and um, you know, because of what I do day to day, I'm I'm deeply embedded in that experience of acting out my curiosity. But I also have a lot of concerns, and I understand, you know, prominent thinkers, whether you agree with them or not, or think they're good people or not. Um, I, I understand the concern and the urge for uh, everyone to take a pause and be very careful, and and all of those things. So, I to a couple of things. First of all, I remember talking to people at Google a thousand years ago. I mean, like about let's say it was between when they had a building on what's now their campus in Mountain View and that had the whole campus that included all of Sun Microsystems and SGI and other companies, like everything east of 101. And it may have even been, oh, it was uh, Sergi, Sergi Brin, uh, at, at talking to him after he got off his bicycle coming into work, that even back then, they didn't know how the algorithm worked entirely. In other words, if you wanted to ask them to rig the algorithm to do this or that differently, there were too many ways that the intelligence in it, what we call intelligence, the, the programming in it, could not be understood easily by a single human being. It was already too complicated. What It, it wasn't even clear to them already that it knew how to do what it did. Uh, they just kind of like see what the results are, maybe tweak this here and there, hoping that it, they had the right result out of it. And there's, so that was already back then. There's, we're, we're building systems that are beyond our comprehension, but within the comprehension of the system itself, but we don't know how the system works exactly. And so what's it going to do? Um, I want, I want to go back to tacit knowledge again, because I think it's important we don't know, we can't, Michael Polanyi, the philosopher I was forced to study in college, was the only one really as a philosophy major, but I majored in Polanyi basically. The only quotable thing he ever said is we know more than we can tell. And we we can't describe exactly how we know how to ride a bicycle or how we know how, um, you know, how to operate a screwdriver or, or, or swing a hammer. And in fact, if we concentrate on thinking about what every muscle is doing while we're swinging the hammer, we'll lose track of it. We'll, we'll, we'll go wide of the mark because we can't be explicit about it. It's too, it's too general. And I think at best general artificial intelligence, whatever it's called, there's a three letter acronym for it. Is it H-E? Anyway, one of those. It might be able to emulate that, but it will never have that. That's a, a human thing. And I, I, I also want to visit this idea to put the brakes on. Um, I don't know whether it's Ezra Klein or Kevin Roos or one of the others of podcasts I've listened to that said, we can't put the brakes on this thing. It, it's, no. it's out of control. It's just, there's way too many ways. You can't say, okay, we're, we're going to stop doing this. 
they, you know, it's like the, the good thing about nuclear power is it's really hard to, to put together, to, to get the centrifuges and other things you need to separate uranium-239 or from 238 or whatever it is. And, uh, but with this, it's possible. I mean, uh, well, and what does it I, mean to put the brakes on either? I mean, there are, there are so many yeah. different pieces of this puzzle. There are so many things that go into creating these AI systems, the, the popular ones that we all know about right now and are all somewhat creeped out by, you know, the chat GPT, the Bing search, the, mm. the, 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 the chat bots that fall in love with you and tell you to leave your wife. Um, you know, the, the image generators that, that, uh, I don't know, may have, maybe even a little bit past the uncanny Valley, whatever that means. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, I think what, what, do, you know, there, there's just so much that we don't see. We see that we, we say pump the brakes on, I think the very, very, t uh, top layer, but there's so much going on underneath that you can't just that way it's not a viable option to to slow down that type of development because there are too many pieces to the to this um too many parts to the machine uh, i also yeah. you know i wanted well, to ask you something hmm. um i'm not sure if you were finished with the previous thought but uh the next thing on my mind is that the the creepiness factor that i think has inspired a lot of this caution recently has, mm. is not new. There's nothing new about it. You know, we, we've been talking about, we've been talking about Clearview AI for a long time. We've been talking right. about a lot of uh, image recognition as it, as it relates to surveillance technology. And that, that's pretty creepy and deeply concerning. But now as it has, as we've shifted focus into generative AI, now suddenly the conversation is different and now more and more and more people are, you know, raising a flag. And I think that's interesting. Because it's a different thing. It's all it's all AI, but but the the end product is different. You know, generative AI, of course, having the ability to potentially, you know, mass produce uh, disinformation, fake deep fake photos and videos. You know, all of these things that can can be very persuasive to people mm -hmm. receiving them. When and and uh, you know, we could the concern I think is that we could find ourselves in a place where it's very very difficult to distinguish reality from deepfake. So, you know, that I completely understand. Fortunately, there are a lot of people working to address these things. We've, we've talked to a few of them in various settings. But yeah, I think, I think that's interesting. AI has been creepy for a while. AI has also been incredibly useful for a while. But it's interesting that the conversation has changed now. Yeah, I mean, uh, what was the... Oh, God, I'm thinking of the movie... Uh, with the Swedish actress who plays the robot. Um, oh, Alicia Ex Machina. Ex yeah. Machina. Yeah, I mean, talk the about creepy. That's, that's, that's creepy been, as yeah. hell. <laughs> yeah, and actually, go, okay, yeah, go back to Star Wars, 1976, right? I mean, yeah, and but presumably what happened with, um, you know, in that galaxy long ago and far away <laughs> was that they... Uh, you know, they they managed to get on top of of their AI to the point where you can make robots that that were inherently specialized and benevolent. You know, this one right. C3PO did nothing but translate languages. Basically, it was a protocol guy. You know, that's that's what that was, and made them in kind of some human human humanoid forms. Uh, it's it's interesting to me that you know the 
the way we conceive space is what we were taught by by um George Lucas. <laughs> by George Lucas and before that with two thousand one by by um the Douglas Trumbull yeah. who designed those spaceships uh, with spare parts that he had from model airplanes and 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 boats and stuff and uh and um Stanley Kubrick, you know, that that was what that was. But yeah, it has been it has been it it's it, it's all it's all the creepiness is old news, it's just a lot more specific now and we can really see it. We can really see what it can do. I, the deep fake stuff is is interesting as well because in two ways. One is, I, I really wish I could remember who said this first. I'm, I've quoted it so many times, but in, it's just that the sure sign of a, a good technology is you can imagine doing bad things with it, big bad things, <laughs> you know, yeah. and and. And it's true. I mean, it, it, you, you invent, I mean, a rock, you could use a rock to, you know, pound grain or pound in somebody else's skull. It, you know, goes back to 2001, you know, a, 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 an early hominid discovers a femur and kills other hominids with it. Uh, and it's just, uh, uh, so, I mean, the, the bad is always going to be there. I, I guess the... And, and as well as the good. I mean, I, yeah, I, I hate to I, always come across as a pessimist. I swear I'm not. Well, There's some really yeah, cool stuff no, happening too. I think that far more good and money is made by email than there is by what travels is 99.x percent of email traffic, which is spam. Right. But we still the, have to address. Yeah, the spam. the, 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 the upside of spam the for its perpetrators is pretty small. I, the the disinformers are going to use AI to disinform people who are easily disinformed, and um, which may end up being most of us one way or another. We already have it anyway. It's called confirmation bias, and we, you know, I mean, there there are things that MSNBC will never run because it's not going to be flattering to. It'll be unflattering. Uh, to to their favored characters, uh, Biden and the Democrats generally, and Fox News is never is going to at least avoid the stuff that's going to embarrass their guys. Uh, you know, the 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 conservative coalition, uh, their ba- their base, as it were, and they're just telling stories to each other, and stories are very appealing to us. It is creepy to me that you can get an AI to put together a really good story. <laughs> Because the story format is real easy. I mean, there are a number of cases online where they're, you know, it's like, tell me a story, AI, that's, you know, in the style of this and has this kind of stuff. And sure enough, they make, you know, come up with some pretty good stuff. Uh, I've heard ones that are uh, uh, limericks and and poems of various kinds. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty killer stuff, actually. And that's right up there with passing the bar exam what's that yeah i said oh there's a lot of good that you know can come out of yeah uh, chatbots i actually my favorite one i just i pasted it in for you to see but my favorite one that i've seen recently is um a uh freedom of information Mm -hmm. act request oh great a FOIA request requesting uh records about facial recognition from the nypd and it's an excellent letter. <laughs> and wow. I mean, what better way to, let's say, enable people to exercise certain rights than automating 
letters like this. And, you know, it, that, that kind of thing is interesting. I can think of a lot of great uses for it, right? Opt-out requests, uh, C- the CCPA mm-hmm. app we talked about recently. Um, right, right. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah, Consumer Reports should have one right now. It just yep. robotically generates, you know, the email you need to send to CVS or somebody to give you back all the data they have you about, about yeah. you. Yeah. applications for just basic legal matters seems seems like a great one there's so many i mean i i would love actually i'm thinking about it there's so much stuff that is of a great deal of interest to me that i mean let's say it's about health i would like to be able to robotically send something out that says to all of the healthcare providers that i've had in the past and there are many because i'm not young something that says send me this data right now, of course, they're going to send me faxes because that's what they like to do. But <laughs> uh, but then I could do some OCR on the faxes, I suppose, and tell me what that says. But in a similar way, I'd like to know, you know, what is it all? What, what all have I bought from CVS? You know, what if, you know, that's that's interesting stuff when you think about an AI combining all of it. Like, you know, maybe you could have been shopping at Walgreens or, or suggest things back to CVS like, wouldn't it be great if you could change where your prescription is goes without, you know, add that to the app? They should be able to do that anyway. But there's just there's just a lot a lot of self-learning that we could gather from from these things. Um, yeah. And being able to, you know, robo-generate the letter that you need to send, you know, but in the long run, you really need to send a letter, right? I mean, it, yeah. that's, a, that's a human formalism that machines really don't need, you know, if if party B has what party A needs and both of them have machines, one should be able to say to the other, give me that and here's why and have it checked out and it all works out. Uh, And maybe AI will get us to that spot faster because right now a lot of human conventions are in the way. I, I don't know. Some of those human conventions are slow grinding wheels that need to be grinding slowly just because we don't want everything to move fast too fast. But that to me just kind of gets back to how how could we be how could we be most human in a good way? But I, I mean, just to go back to an earlier point, I I'm I'm enough of a Pollyanna or an optimist to think that good uses are going to outperform and oh, outearn and and are just simply going to be more desirable than the bad ones. It, like it's just it, it's but it's the bad a lot ones better. Get a lot of attention. <laughs> And yeah, so. I mean, it's it's it, I mean, it's a lot better to to, to have a, um, you know, to have an economy in which retail works better than theft works, you know, that's that would just be good, and I think that civilization will lean in that direction. Yeah, or but so like your email analogy, the 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 nefarious yeah. uses eat up a lot of cycles, and they you know they eat up a lot of resources and time. But, you know, ultimately, you know, we, f- we find ways to address them, at least for the most part, and, and we embrace the positive outcomes. Yeah, yeah. So hey, speaking of positive outcome. Oh, I was going to, I'm not sure we've covered AI completely, and I don't think I, I, I guess I, I would just. talking it, about it for well, a but. <laughs> here's, I mean, if, 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 if listeners want to take away, one I'd recommend is just study the living shit out of it read everything, read lots of different opinions on it and lots of different learnings on it. I think it's really important. And yeah, uh, this is the biggest thing that's happened. It's, it's a really big thing. In it's my a really lifetime, big thing. I, f- I feel like this is almost, no, 
I mean, yes. processors came out obviously before I was born. So computing was before I was born. The internet, this is, I feel like this is as big as the, 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 the internet, the creation of the internet. Yeah. I think that to me, you know, there's computers, computer programming, ICs, miniaturization, um, uh, the internet. I would argue this pro- is this it's is all... more impactful than the mobile than than mobile phones than the the portability. The portable internet is potentially less impactful than this will be. Is my opinion. Uh, right now, I'd say it's kind of a tie, but I mean, it, it smartphones. I mean, what happens, you know, if, I'm wondering, I mean, smartphones to me seem a little stale at this point. Your yeah. camera is going to get better. They're going to have more memory. Um, but design-wise, they really haven't changed in a serious way since the first iPhone in 2006 or seven, whenever it was. Um, that original iPhone 1, um, the layout of it, the way it worked, you're writing on glass, you've got, you know type with your thumbs, pretty keyboard, you know, chiclets, uh, chiclet shape, you know, the other shape of the apps, all of that, that's all hasn't changed. And maybe it shouldn't change the same way that a QWERTY keyboard really shouldn't change. We're all just used to it. Um, but I think once AI is in there in a new way where we can use it ourselves, we're not just using a Google AI or a Microsoft AI, you got your own AI, you know, I mean, here's one. You know, I'm I'm visiting Portland, Oregon. Who do I know in Portland? Do I really want to visit them? I've only got this much time. Here's my schedule that I already have because I'm going to a conference. Who do I want to see? At the conference, not at the conference. I could use an AI in there somewhere to help with this. <laughs> yeah, we can use it with, you know, we already have it to some degree with Google and traffic, um, suggesting alternate routes and things like that or avoiding tolls. But it can get much more advanced than that. And it can be based on, on, our personal contacts and calendars, you know, and uh, I'd love an AI to look through my calendar and say, who's dead, who's moved, who's, you know, who have I not spoken to in 10 years and why is, what's it even doing here? You know, finding that stuff. Um, but was, but with some, you know, but factoring in other things about my history and, and what I've done, you know, that, or that what I might like to do, that's not biased by the commercial interests of a Google or a Facebook or a, or, or a Microsoft that wants to, which has big corporate clients that want to sell me shit. I, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I, I actually think downstream personal AI is the, possibly the biggest antidote to personalized advertising. Just don't need it. I know what I, I, know what I want and need. Screw you guys. Get, get out of my face. You don't need to track me. I'm tracking myself. And I'm getting help here. Now, maybe my AI could talk to your AI or to a bunch of different AIs that go beyond just the a, the API level where I'm looking at what your inventory is. But, you know, what are you, what are you going to make going forward? You know, my, my wife who's tall would like a car with a seat that extends further. Actually, Subaru with the Outback, like one of them, has a a driver's seat where you can sort of stretch the seat forward a little bit. Um, that's kind of cool. But other, I'd like, I'd like to be able to suggest something to car makers that I want downstream. What is that? You know, that mean, 
there's all kinds of ways that um, it's not just AI, it's working on our behalf. It's that having better market knowledge, self-knowledge, knowledge of other things. I mean, AI downstream also is going to obsolesce an awful lot of higher education, even lower education. You know, how can kids learn better? How can this ADD case in kindergarten or this dyslexic case learn faster and better, you know, without having a, a human tutor? You know, how can that be worked out? What's the best way? To, what, are the, what do the best experts think on this? Who are the best experts? What makes them best? How do you evaluate that? There are lots of these questions that can possibly be answered, but I don't think they're best answered only by centralized things made by giant companies that are working primarily in their own self-interest and can only imagine rolling forward the industrial age that we've had for too long. Did that make any sense? I, I think know. so. Yes. Sorry. I was momentarily <laughs> distracted by um, the fact that I was asking ChatGPT to make me an itinerary for Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, tell me how that goes. It probably wouldn't be bad. No, it was actually pretty what, great. What to avoid. I mean, it's probably not a bad thing. There's a, I forget who it is. There's a guy that rates pizza with one, with one bite. And look that up. Rates a, a, a Oh, he's the guy who runs one of the companies, one of the startup-y companies. I forget what. But anyway, um, he was rating the pizza at various restaurants at Disney World and in Epcot <laughs> Center. I need to go but that's, there. you know. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I, uh, I am, again, cautiously optimistic. I, I think that we have just dipped our toe into this conversation, though. So, yeah. you know, and I don't, I, I feel like I'm hesitant to go too far because my opinions are going to well, change by it's, next it's, week. But, um, to me, yeah. it's like, you know, how can we be, how can this, how can this thing that's actually not new, we've been thinking about it for decades, but now that it's almost here or kind of here or here in pieces, um, help us be more human, help us be more ourselves, help us be more helpful to each other. One of my mother's lessons when I was a small kid was at all times in your life, your choice is to, is, is, is to help or hurt. How can you help? Yeah. You know, what can you do to help? What's the, what's the way to help? Yes. All of the many ways and that which this will make your life easier will be. Yeah. Something. Well, will be something to look forward to. Um, I wanted to, <laughs> I don't want to forget. So I, you know, I think, I think you wanted to talk about your new toy. Uh, or rather yeah. I'm using tool. my new toy right now. It's, it's, it's interesting, but it's not, I, it's probably not that interesting, but it's, well, okay. Well, maybe it's part of what, it's part of what, what makes me, me, uh, to, for whatever that's worth. I'm known as a writer and I see myself as a writer, but I'm very, very visual. And which is why I love photography. And, and that's also about memory. And I love digital photography because I have access to a lot of it. And I have, I have many terabytes of photos. And that's why I just bought the new Apple MacBook Pro with 16 inch one. I need the big one, uh, because I want more real estate, visual real estate. And I got it with eight terabytes of storage, which is the most you can get. I think it's too little, but that's the most you can get. Uh, and I was on Mojave. This is, uh, 
an older, the last of the 32-bit operating systems, so I could use 32-bit programs that I depended on utterly, and they are now disabled and uh, have a little, you know, that circle with a slash through it, that forbidden sign. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> These have been killed. So that's that's still there. That's there, and I'm going to have to learn to live without them. Uh, I like writing simple HTML for different things, uh, and everything I wrote for Linux Journal, I wrote with an in HTML in simple HTML, and that's why I can go back and look at any of them, and you know, on a web page now, and uh, and there they are. And I used Adobe Dreamweaver for that. That no longer works. Uh, and this is not one of the. This is the. Not the software as a service version. This is the old local. Yeah, it was. A, it came with CS6. Right. right. Yeah, right, it's not okay. as a service. And, and it doesn't come in the creative suite, the Does Adobe Dreamweaver creative still suite. Exist? Actually, I don't even know. I don't know if Dreamweaver does exist. It's quite likely it doesn't. Um, I don't know. I mean, every time I've talked to anybody about this, it's been, why are you so right? Why are you working with Steam Power when there's you know, you should be just programming in JavaScript now. And if you want to do anything on a web, you know, if you want to write any web pages, and I say, no, screw that. The idea behind HTML in the first place is brilliant. To me, it's, it's almost as, it's well, as I big mean, a thing as... you still need HTML, even if You still need HTML. But, but the original version of HTML that, that Tim wrote was all about how you, you could choose whether you were looking at a page with serif or sans serif type. You know, you could you could pick your your typeface. That's up to you. You're just looking at this. There's several sizes of a headline. You can look at one of the sizes of a headline, and it's, it's not more complex. How can you make it as simple as possible? I, I remember the HTML versus SGML, and SGML was like the the people who use SGML is like it does so much stuff. It's great, and then we ended up like going way past SGML and complicating what HTML does. Um, but I don't know a simple HTML editor. This is a key thing. I don't that I don't you either. can I'm drop. Think, when was the last time I just wrote drop images into? That's HTML. that to me is the key. Yeah, I, I I want to be able to write a story, drop an image into it. It'll remember the path from you know the image folder that the image was in, which when I sent everything to Linux Journal, you know, there was an image folder and there was, and you know story.html. And, I feel um, like you could just use an open source IDE and just don't use any of the other features. Just use the HTML. I, that might be the thing to do, I suppose. That's probably the thing to do. We can talk about that offline if you know yeah, of one. Um, but yeah, I, I actually hadn't thought about that. Um, but I don't really need a whole development environment. You're right. If there's just something that, that does this, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, um, there will. I'll find you one. I'll figure it out. I'll have to think in terms of I don't remember. Yeah. Like, I honestly don't remember the last time I did something like that. How funny. Uh, uh, anyway. Yeah. Well, I think. So anyway, uh, it's, a, it's a really sweet computer. It's really, it's, it's a little on the heavy side, but it's, look, it seems sturdy. Battery supposedly lasts a long time. It has one fewer, um, by giving you back the MagSafe connector, it got rid of one of the four oh, uh, USB-C holes. And I had all four of those occupied. So I just, and by the way, there aren't many USB-C hubs out there. Everybody wants everything to go to USB-C. There aren't many USB-C hubs. Anchor, no, I don't think, you know, think Anchor makes one. You look I up USB-C hub, it's like, 
I have a few. You have one like a, a ten port USB C hub, one no, USB. It's ten, but it's a it's quite a few. But Maybe. yeah, I have a. I can't remember who makes it, but I have a couple lying around. Oh, let me know who makes it because I I want one that has like, you know, four or five at least five, uh, USB C, ports, not. Not USB A. There's lots of USB C to A. Yeah, I think mine doesn't have that many you know? USB C. It has a lot of like other stuff. It has HDMI yeah. and yep. So have you left okay, any turns well, on stone? No, <laughs> oh, yo, oh, many, so many. But we have to leave something to talk about next time. So thank you everyone for listening. Thanks, Doc, for yeah. holding forth on the talk and <laughs> the recommendations and the links. Which are-